0: Presented by the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Things are happening over there. This is Ingold Radio, the podcast. And boy, are we slammed heading into the holidays. Sense Arena feature interview, Matt Tompkins. He's a world traveler and he is back in North America. He gave it uh, another chance and he is back in the National Hockey League uh, this year. Up and down with the Tampa Bay Lightning with the return of Andre Vasilevsky. But a really cool story. And you will become a fan. Of Matt Topkins. That is a money back guarantee. That is the most least risky statement that I will make on today's episode. Guaranteed as we uh, bring in the co-founders of Ingle Radio, the podcast, Ingle Mag, David Hutchison, and Kevin Woodley. Uh, Woody. Yes. I, I, I won't go there right away, but I, I want you to be aware. I want a full rundown of the ring of honor ceremony inducting Roberto Longo. I'm not going to go there just yet. Just warming him up. I want that to be in the back of your mind. You know what I love? I love that you offered a money back guarantee on a free podcast. Yeah. I like Um, that. I'm really aggressive with my statements. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but 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 seriously, you you talked to Tompkins.
1: Oh, hey, dude, dude. I was was late for uh, once a month. I go on the PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. And I was supposed to be on at around two o'clock, and I thought I'd given myself a lot of time to talk to Matt, but the conversation was so good. Like, this is a long one, folks. Strap yourself in. It is amazing. You will not want to stop listening. There's so much in there, but let's just say I was late for Dimitri and the PDO cast. and it's a good thing that it's a pre-recorded episode, because um, there's
0: no way I was walking away from this interview with Matt. It was awesome. It, just his entire story is engaging. And his love for the game is inspiring. It's absolutely wonderful, Hutch.
2: I talk to kids all the time about everybody has a different path in the game. Kids who worry that I wasn't on just the right team as a 10-year-old. I'm not on this team as a 12-year-old. Everybody has a different path. And he was on just the right team at one point, And then Coming out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League is not a common path to the National Hockey League for a goaltender. Going over to Sweden, like there's so many layers to this that uh, make it really, really an interesting story. And he's a super engaging young man as well. So I, uh, I loved listening to it and I'm sure everybody else will today.
1: I'm, I like that your approach with the kids is, is to, you know, tell them everybody has a different path. I'd be a little, I'd be, I'd be like, yeah, whatever kid, all roads lead to beer league.
2: Well, that's true. I think I've told the story before about uh, at Eli Wilson's camp where they, well, it was Pete Fry who actually went around the room and he, he asked the kids, you need to tell me where you want to play one day. What's your big goal? And uh, of course, the one kid comes and he says, oh, I'm going to play for the Montreal Canadiens. The next kid, I'm going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The next kid, I'm going to play in beer league. And it was just, uh, just an awesome, awesome moment. But hey, we all have a different path and let's hope that involves everybody loving the game
0: you know where we all end up? Beer league. Whether you're in the NHL or, or whether you're yeah, a sure. junior hockey player or whether you're just a minor uh, hockey player that just loves the game and, and you you don't go beyond like single A. Hey, we, I legit We all hope that's, end up in beer league at some point.
2: And I hope that's really true because I actually feel bad for some of the guys in the National Hockey League who choose not to put on the skates afterwards. That tells you something about their
1: opportunity to love the game. And yeah. that is almost unanimous. Like, damn near every NHL goalie, once they retire, does not put the gear on. But here's... Well, the, but they're say, in beer
0: league playing defense. Yeah, they all, a lot Hope of them so, play. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, Craig Anderson. But Andy went back and played in the Hall of Fame game this year. And not and that I want didn't to give And did shoot
2: up for the Sabres recently in practice in as a well? In
1: practice, that's right. Mm-hmm. And not, to, not, to, not that I want to go back to, to it, Darren, and give you the opportunity to get me fired up. But Roberto told Dan Murphy during the intermission panel here during the night he was honored that he's been putting the pads back on again. And so he's got a young son that's playing gold, Gianni. So yeah, he's, he's strapping them on again. And I thought that was pretty cool. Cause you know, when you think about the reason he stopped playing, it was basically because the body just wouldn't let him go anymore. It was like an hour and a half of, I was in Florida late in his career and to see the amount of work that went in to him being able to even get out for a summer skate, like an hour of preparation to get the body ready to go out for a summer skate so he'd be able to perform and not get hurt. Like that just became too much. So the fact he, he still loves it enough to put the pads back on now that he's retired, I think is just awesome.
0: I think uh, getting ready to skate or doing a workout like yoga would be awesome over at the hockey shop. Source for Sports Langley. Could you imagine Sure hope doing all paths yogi-
2: lead to the hockey shop for our listeners.
0: Yeah, doing doing little yogi uh, over at uh, at the the skate uh, area at, at the hockey shop. Uh, just looking around, that would be my zen place. I, I'm a little I'm a, I'm a little nervous
1: about this one, Darren. We don't want to give anybody any ideas. Like like <laughs> poor Cam, like he's already got enough work to do. They're so busy over there. So now like we just have like four or five people roll in, drop their mats in front of the wall of yeah. blockers or the wall of the gloves, and just start like. You do before the shop opens.
2: Little pigeon. Kevin Woodley leading a dynamic warm up.
1: Totally. (laughs) Foam rolling. (laughs) Well, the problem is there's so much. There's so much space. That's a good thing. The problem is you'd have to move your mats around to find all the uh, all the items because they are just packed full of stuff. And a lot of it's on sale right now. Matter of fact, we're going to get to our gear segment in a little bit. But that's on sale right now. Um, It's you know it's our American friends have Black Friday. Up here, we used to have. Boxing Day, which is kind of Canada's version of Black Friday. And so to get ahead of it, Cam's got some items that are already on sale now. You could even maybe grab them in time to slip them under the tree for a goalie in your life. It's getting a little tight from the shipping standpoint. But if you're quick, you got a chance. So um, as much as we like to talk about all the new stuff that's coming in, and we've got a bunch of that coming up in in the near future, there's still new equipment arriving, some stuff from Brian's. Um, there's a lot of great things on sale right now at the Hockey Shop. So make sure you check them out, uh, whether it's for a last-minute gift or just to save some money heading into the new year. The Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com has got a bunch of stuff on sale.
0: The only thing that can rival it would be uh, what's happening in the uh, digital world at IngolMag.com. Hutch.
2: Oh, there's going to be a lot of goalies busy, busy on Christmas morning this year, Darren. One of the things that used to drive me crazy as a kid growing up is if I didn't get a present that I could use right away, whether it's something I could read or play with or whatever, there's a lot of goalies who are going to be on their computer or on their phone this Christmas morning checking out in goal magazine because the gift subscription requests are just rolling in right now. All kinds of goalies are going to be busy learning the game, loving the game with their subscription to in Goal Magazine. So what happens is you head over to the site and right up at the top, there's this big bright red bar. You cannot miss it, ingoalmag.com. And you can click there and send a gift to any goalie in your life. Maybe it's a uh, son or daughter, maybe it's husband or wife, maybe it's just a buddy. You can send them a gift. You can put in your own custom message and then Christmas morning or any other day you choose, They'll get uh, a, a nice little message from you. And if you're the kind of person who really wants them to have something they can open and not just wait for an email to arrive, we've also got some downloadable gift certificates there so you can download them and print them out and stick them in an envelope on the tree, something like that. So, so many goalies are going to be loving In-Goal this Christmas as they uh, flip through those 800 plus articles thousand plus videos just an awesome christmas gift because they can enjoy it right away guys and then they can enjoy it tomorrow and the next day and for the next 365 days so awesome gift for the goalie in your life and look let's face it it's not cheap to buy gifts for goaltenders but a one-year subscription in goals under 50 bucks under 40 in your money darren
0: hmm. depends on what day Maybe might be better i was gonna say True. under 40 to darren Thirty five. <laughs> Darren's getting ripped
1: off on exchange if it's even forty bucks right now. Oh my God, I had That's to buy true. something in the states the other day and I felt like it was a mortgage.
0: Uh, the the process that uh, that we have with the subscription to inglemag.com, Uh it's been going a couple of couple of years now. Uh, people, some people have been on this for uh, a while. Is it easy to to re up or? or do you have to order a brand new subscription? How does super that work?
2: easy! Dad? Just okay. head over to the same place, and there's a little link right at the top. If you're redoing your gift, and oh, I perfect. mean, effectively, the process for you is exactly the same. It's just a little bit different for us on the back end. But you can absolutely re-up your subscription. We got lots of those coming as well.
0: Uh, does it uh, tell you how to score a goal? Because we've had a couple of guys attempt to have a goalie goal to put on the board this week. Well, you, you know what them.
2: You know what? What it does have is a multiple uh, article video series with Mike Smith, who was one of the great puck handlers, where he takes some young goalies through a whole bunch of puck handling drills. And I think if you worked through those as an in-goal member and you practiced all those Mike Smith tips uh, diligently, you'd be ready for what those guys did this week, Woody.
1: Yeah, I'm going to send that one to Sergei
0: Bobrovsky as well.
2: (laughs) Uh, He's been watching uh, one of us in beer league, I think, for his tips.
0: How's I like it? the fact that 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 they they seem to be getting more aggressive with it. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Devin Levi both took shots at it this week. Uh, neither one of them got got close. To, uh, they were intercepted to be in the neutral zone. But just different parts of their career, uh, they're aggressive. We know where Bob is in his career, uh, puck handling.
1: Yeah, no, um, I didn't. I still haven't seen. The vassi one or the Levi one, which was last night at the game you were working, Darren. But I like it. Like, I called it a few years ago in an article at NHL.com. And I feel like I was almost wrong because I thought we'd see more of this. Like, teams pulling goalies down two with, like, five minutes left. I, I thought we'd see more attempts. And we know guys can chuck it like never before. I actually thought we'd, we'd have seen more goals over the last little while than we have. We got Jari this year. We got Allmark last year. Um, I, th- I think it's coming because these guys can all throw it and they're getting more opportunities to do so with, you know, more goalie pulls earlier at the other end down a couple. So it's um, I think it's great. It's awesome. Uh, maybe my prediction of a few years ago will finally start to come true and we'll start to see multiple goalie goals a year because uh, everybody wants it on the resume, right? Like we, we talked about it. At Flower, right? Like Flower, that's one. What- he's he's coming up on a thousand games, you know, and we can we'll save that discussion for next week. but. Marc-Andre Fleury coming up on 1,000 games might be the last goalie ever to reach that milestone. And I know he wants one before his career. And so um, the good news is there's increased opportunity and there's more goalies than ever that can actually get it down to the other end with height and velocity, as we saw with Jerry and Allmark, landing it near the hash marks of the
0: other end. I wasn't thinking about it in either case, watching Vasilevsky play the Edmonton Oilers because he was, it was the best game I've ever seen Vasilevsky play. And he, he, he gave four, up four, but yeah, but, but it, it was, it was the best game I've ever seen him play. Uh, almost faced 60 shots in it uh, It was spectacular. It never crossed my mind that he would, at, in a game that was back and forth, that he would go for it, but he did. And Devin Levi, it was just, it was early in the goalie pull, and uh, it didn't cross my mind there either because they were kind of trying to hold off a push and he didn't hesitate. He, he grabbed it. And I think it surprised uh, everybody in the rink that he went for it right away. And maybe didn't get to all of it, uh, but it was it. I I stood up and grabbed Darren Elliott, who's the former goalie beside me, and he, uh, was pulling on his jacket like he's going for it. And I, I've never seen one in person, so I was I was all excited. And he wasn't even on the team that I cover. I've seen two, so um, it's it's pretty it's pretty
1: cool when it happens for sure. And when you're in when you're there and in that moment when it happens, it's uh, you, you'll get one soon, Darren. Much like Marc Andre Fleury, you'll get one in your career. Did Lou
0: ever get one?
1: No, that was not a. That's not. That was not a strength of
0: of Roberto's game, as he'd be the first to tell you. Um, no, if, if Lou if had scored a goal for the Vancouver Canucks, would his number be retired oh, instead of being on the Ring of Honor? I'm just. I'm curious if that would have put it over the top. Just
1: poking the bear, eh? Just poking the bear. Let me say this: the rant that I promised last week may have died on the vine in watching this ceremony and seeing roberto and the way he handled it was such class as they retired his number not retired his number but put his his name up in the ring of honor um just a great ceremony cory schneider there to introduce him i thought it was cool that the twins brought him out of jersey with a c on the on the chest because of course when he was captain which is hey Like a lot of people talk about that being a mistake, but Roberto talked to us about how proud he is of the fact he was named captain. Um, You know, and I know Mike Gillis, the general manager at the time, still insists like that was the right decision. It's just the position he played wasn't ideal for it, but um, he took a lot of pride in that. And so they gave him a jersey with a C on it because, of course, he had to just paint it on his chin because league rules prevent a goaltender from actually being the captain. Uh, the, The whole thing, it was a great day. The ceremony was great in large part because of, the way Roberto handled it, um, a fantastic speech. Even even Thatcher Demko getting a shutout that night and the lose that came with every big save and at the end of the night and when he did the sort of post-game uh, rinkside interview with the rinkside reporter in-house, uh, just everything was great. And so I'm a little more reluctant to piss all over the fact that they should have retired his jersey and not made it the Ring of Honor um so let's just leave it at that there is no doubt that his number should be retired in vancouver i understand actually i understand to an extent the hesitation to do so because they had another franchise great franchise icon wear number one before him and they put him in the ring of Honor rather than retiring his number in kirk mclean and obviously, Kirk was an incredible goaltender for the Canucks and led them to the 94 Stanley Cup final, just as Roberto backstopped the Canucks to the 2011 Cup final. And they both came up just a hair short. Although I would argue the team came up a hair short rather than the goalie, but the goalie always gets the focus. I mean, McLean in 94 was just brilliant. Like, that's, you know, these are guys that made people fans, right? Like, they're the, that's the type of players they were, the type of goalies they were. Roberto brought respect to this franchise at a time when, you know, they hadn't, they weren't, they were flirting with it, but they never fully earned it, right? The West Coast Express years, they were great, but they weren't, they never became sort of, like, he just brought a level of respect that they didn't have before. And so there's so many reasons it should be retired. I'd say retire them both. Put McLean and Luongo up there. Nobody's ever wearing it again anyways now. Um, but they didn't. I think it shows a little pettiness. Um, I think some of that pettiness probably comes from the highest levels of the franchise, from ownership, based on some of the discussions you hear. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I think I think we saw the owner send out a tweet about Roberto being one of the greatest Canucks goalies of all time. And on that, like, there's, come on, like, give your head a shake. He's the greatest. Like, every statistic you want to measure it by, he's the greatest. No, did he win a Beza? No. You know Why? Because A, the general managers vote on it, and they got a few wrong over the years. But B, he played in an era with Wah, Brodeur, Lundqvist coming up. Like, like they, you know, how many times was he a finalist? So, yeah, like, I'm not ranting as much as I promised because I've calmed down because the ceremony was really good, and Roberto's at peace with it, so why should the rest of us take issue with it? But there's plenty of issue to be taken with it. His numbers should be hanging from the Raptors along with the Sedins. Beside the Sedins. Um, hell, this is a franchise that retired Pavel Bure's number. And he didn't, he asked for a trade. He forced his way out of Vancouver. When Roberto agreed to a trade, it was part of them saying, hey, maybe this would be the best thing. It wasn't him stomping his feet. At least not until um, our friend John Totorella sat him out at that. But I, I, I'm starting to get going here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it off. Number always be- Lou. He's great. And that's the most important thing. And he was great with everything that went on. And that's the most important thing. So that's why I, I should cut this off and, and not get too carried away. He should be in Jersey, should be retired. He's the first ballot hall of famer. That's the respect you pay first ballot hall of famers. I think they missed the note on that, but as usual, he struck the night with the right tone and the right note
0: on everything he did while he was here. Yeah, it was a really cool ceremony and a fantastic speech. Uh, and I give him credit, no notes up there. and he. Had things prepared in his head. It wasn't like he freewheeled it, but uh, he he didn't have that uh, safety net there. It was it was it was a a very relaxed, casual, awesome moment. It was and and how cool to have his kids there to introduce
1: him. Yeah. Our dad, Roberto Luongo, like they it was the whole night was perfect. They they just missed
0: on 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 where they put him in the rink. If you see Woody in and around the Lower Mainland. Uh, and you want to bring up this conversation, head over to the hockey shop uh, before you do so and grab a Warrior Ritual F1 Pro mask uh, because they're they're on sale and it's part of our gear segment today. And that would be the best way to have that discussion with Woody. Put on the bucket and then get him riled up. Make sure he he doesn't have
1: a stick in his hand.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If If he's got a stick in his hand, at least your head will be protected.
1: So we're going to get into the Warrior Ritual F2 mask with a quick review. It's an item they've had in store for a while, Um, but we just never got to reviewing it. It was sort of an update of an earlier version that we did review years ago. That's the Ritual F1 mask, which is still a pro-level mask, and they still have some of those. They actually stocked up on them recently, so they have extra, and it's on sale for just $6.99. At the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. So as much as we're gonna get into the ritual F2, they've still got the F1 and it's on sale. I am gonna leave you with a little tease, however. Roberta Luongo joins us, joins us for a gear segment that's coming up in a couple of weeks at the hockey shop. Really?
0: Yes. I don't know anything about this. Yeah,
1: it's a top secret thing. So you're gonna have to stay what? tuned. You're gonna have to stay tuned for that one. But for now, we're, we're gonna just... have to
0: come to that episode, Darren. Yeah, I
2: don't want to miss that one. Somebody's freezing.
1: It's, are, us it's out. already been filmed. I literally, have no
2: idea what he's talking it's about. It's already That's been what's... filmed.
1: So now that I got you all excited about the potential for Luongo and how we're gonna introduce him into the gear segment next week, let's see if I, we'll have to see if I uh, talk at all about that as we go over the uh, Ritual F2 mask here. But also, don't, ex- don't forget Ritual F1 on sale at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com for just 6 dollars Cam's going to talk about it at the end of this segment as we review the new Ritual F2 mask. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Stores for Sports. I'm down here in Goalie Utopia next to Cam Mattwiv. That's me. And we have a new mask to show you today. Well, a new, an updated version of what was a new product from Warrior. The Ritual mask. Yes. The F1. Now it's the rf 2 Ritual F2 Pro. Pro. Right. We're only looking at top tier despite the fact that Cam's in this video. We're actually only looking at the top tier masks today. We'll do the lower levels, which Cam fits with another day.
3: So what's different about the new F2 mask Pro? So, they've updated the carbon and they've updated the foam. So, this is a recipe that is already working really well in the F1 mask. kind of quietly, you know, it was in the background and maybe not as popular as some of the Bauer, you know, CCM, other options that were on the wall. Except, it shouldn't be overlooked for a couple of reasons. One, again, Warrior found a winning recipe with that F1, very protective, very durable, which is fantastic. And the overall foam package on the inside was quite comfy and actually worked quite well. There were a few small issues, which have been ironed out now with the F2 in terms of for its update. So, looking into, first of all, the foam package, um, going with a straight blackout foam, dual density, high impact absorbing. They do have their dynamic shock um, foam that they've been using in the past. Great overall protection, ridges up uh, upon impact, so it's helping to stop that energy transfer going into your head. Updating the carbon. So now they're using their Minimus 20 carbon, as before it was the Minimus 120 carbon. So is this a case where Warrior who's been a leader in the stick category for a while, is, is taking some of that technology from sticks and applying it to math? That's correct. So again, with Warrior's stick line, especially their View Series and their M Series, have really kind of marched ahead, and, you know, with using those different style of carbon, how it's being laid in the stick and how it provides a little bit more rigidity overall, that same has been transferred down to the mask itself. So, uh, very high impact resistant, not a lot of rattling when it comes to, you know, those hard slap shots off the head, and durable, which is a key highlight for these guys as well. Um, Sometimes in carbon fiber mask, you make something so rigid that that splintering happens because it's so rigid and that vibration has nothing where it go and separates the layers. Not something we've seen in these masks, that's for sure. So feedback's been really good in the RF1. You have brought in the RF2 with the improvements.
1: the pro level mask. Like this is a mask that, that will stand up at the highest levels for, from a protection standpoint. Correct. and it so also. if I'm playing junior hockey, something like that, I'm still safe in this.
3: Yes. Or if you're playing plus 50 beer league hockey as you are, you will still be safe.
1: Look, I aged 10 years in the span of this segment from plus 40 to plus 50. The chirps are just so good, Cam. I, I noticed a little layer of... Um, sort of like rubber in between the bottom of the cage and the mask. That's just designed to sort of make sure that uh, it's also around the top. That's just designed to sort of make sure if the cage absorbs into the mask. So no it's shipping. facing
3: as a goalie, you're going to get hit in the face. Um, Usually by your teammates in warm-up at 50 exactly plus or 40 plus. So the, that rubber tubing is, again, to help stop with that chipping of that paint coming off when you do get those impacts. Um, that's something that other mask brands have adopted too as well. Um, and definitely a good uh, feature to call out. Okay, so there is actually one more feature on this mask
1: that is we've been done a lot of source for sports and hockey shop exclusives. This is a warrior exclusive in the industry. This, as far as I know, and Darren Millard, our host, is going to love this. As far as I know, this is the only mask and does come with this beautiful little bag, too. But the only mask in the industry that comes stock with its own. This is a new look. We're
3: going to pioneer it here. You saw it first. I've never felt safer. <laughs> You've never looked better. I mean, that's a pretty low bar.
1: <laughs> so, Dangler for Darren included yes. in the bag. I know Millard right now is like, where can I get the RF2? Where can he get a cam? And where can he call? If he has questions about sizes, because it looks like there are different sizes available.
3: Yes, you can give us a call here at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Or check it out at thehockeyshop.com. But one more key note. Oh. We have one more thing to show off. Show it off. I can't balance this on my ears forever. You we were talking so much about the F1 mm. mask. We have the F1 on sale, quite a number of them, good sizing all the way throughout the curve, small, medium, medium, large, large, extra large, here at the shop on sale. So your chance to get the pro helmet. So will those still last- It also comes with a dangler.
1: dangler. Danglers for Darren, danglers for days. Lots of warrior in stock here at the hockey shop. Check them out at thehockeyshop.com. Give Cam a call if you have questions about sizing or if you've got questions about the lower level models, um, lower price points that he has in the Warrior mask, Cam's got your answers. Big Warrior guy. Thanks, Cam.
0: One ad. One ad. Just I know I know you guys are going, but uh, Woody's still here. Cam Cam had to get back to, to work. When you grab that Warrior Ritual F1 mask put a dangler on it it's it's a perfect time if you don't wear a dangler add one if you do wear a dangler it's good to have a couple just around because you take a shot because they protect you sometimes they'll break grab a dangler
1: see darren Woody. darren darren Darren? i know that yes. you normally listen to the gear segment and I, and we've kind of put you on the spot this week yeah yeah and didn't give you the opportunity to listen to the segment before we recorded this you are going to love the Warrior Ritual F2 and F1 mask, Darren. You know why? Because it's down low. Because it comes with a dangler. It does. Yep. I see. Look how excited you are. We should have told you off the hop. Then this would have been the greatest promo for a mask
0: sale ever. I even asked because I, I didn't have a chance to turn around uh, on the game. Uh, but that is, uh, that is awesome. I apologize that I didn't get a chance to. It's to not your to fault, you it's our fault. That is, I'm so excited about that. What? Every mask should at come him. with He's a like, dangler. This, we Kid did this. Store.
1: I'd like to pretend that we did this on purpose to capture what Christmas morning would be like if you got the equipment that you dreamed of. Because Darren's face right now and the fist pumps, this is him on Christmas morning finding out that a mask comes with a dangler.
0: This is safety first, ladies and gentlemen. To throw in the dangler, make it work.
2: I was thinking... A dangler would be one of those great self-serving gifts, you know. Kid goes out to the hockey shop, buys himself a dangler, and then puts it under the tree for mom and dad because it'll make them happy to know that he's wearing it. Yes, self-serving gift, perfect.
0: Now, not that that's not, what
2: Christmas is about, boys. I will.
0: I'll be honest. I don't like the the colored danglers, the different the the danglers, anything like that. I just want the clear. I want to be able to see. I don't want any distraction. I'm I'm not that fancy. Or forward thinking, I just want a plain old protective dangler that makes a loud noise when the, when the shooter, even sometimes it doesn't even hit the dangler, but it'll rattle around up there and the shooters will go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, where, where, where did I get you? And then you kind of pretend that you're a little bit hurt and it makes them so they don't shoot back up there uh, again. So it's even productive in that sense, even when it doesn't hit you. I like that. <laughs> I like that, Darren. We um, haven't heard
1: that uh, angle on your sales pitch for danglers,
0: yeah. So I, That's a new one. You, you, we got to start making a list of Darren's reasons to get danglers beyond safety. Darren's dangler. Uh Before we get into uh, Matt Tompkins, who's standing by, uh, some, turn on the light in the green room to let him know that uh, he's supposed to head over here uh, for the interview. Uh, did you guys see, I'm sure you did, uh, but what was your reaction to Pyotr Kochekov, uh, you, you two legends? I'm curious, so your uh, play off of the... Penalty shot save against Brady Kachuk. Matthew, uh, uh, I'm sure, looked at it, uh, Matthew Hutchison, uh, and, and had a great uh, feedback on it. David, what, uh, what was your take? Well, my first take was
2: about as excited as you are when you found out the Danglers are on the Warrior masks. Uh, I was so excited. I jumped up. To me, that was one of the best I've ever seen. Um, the angle that I saw it from initially, I couldn't tell that he'd uh, taken Kachuk's feet out. I actually thought that he'd gotten the puck clean, but regardless, the aggressiveness, the full out straight away, uh, it was exciting. And I immediately clipped it and sent it to a bunch of people on uh, on text message. And I, t- I just thought it was beautiful. And of course, there's been a whole lot. I, of course, there was what happened afterwards. I, I love. Uh, how Kachekov stood up for himself and was ready to go. I thought that was fabulous. But then I saw a few people say, you know, any other player takes another player's feet out anywhere out on the ice. It's a penalty. And so why do goalies uh, might even be our own Paul Campbell, who said that said he might lose his union card. And I'm fired. beginning to think it's about time to take his union card away because And this was, I actually brought it up. You mentioned Matthew. I brought it up with him. He happens to be an official as well. And I said, uh, what do you think? And he said, well, I mean, strictly speaking, you're right. It's a trip if you take a guy's feet out. But if you also look at hockey, everywhere on the ice, there are things happening that that's just part of the game and we're okay with it. You can cross-check a guy in front of the net and the refs don't do anything about it because it's just something that happens in hockey. Along the boards, as long as you're popping his hips and not his upper back, they don't have a problem with what you're doing. There are things that happen all over in hockey. It's just part of the beauty of the game. You may or may not agree with all of them um, that make it well, part of the game. One of the
0: greatest examples all the, that you grew up with was if you dove chasing somebody down on a breakaway and you got the puck first, first and yeah. then tripped them. But that, that's out of the that rules was, now that though, was, right? What's that?
2: That's out of the rules now though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was
0: one that we, that we grew up on. It's like. For sure, for sure. You got the puck first, then you tripped him. It wasn't a a penalty. I'm like, what? Thank goodness they they changed that.
2: Yeah, so I, I like that. And then, you know, the other thing that came to mind for me, guys, was the fact that if Kachuk was coming in off the rush with the puck, he would not hesitate to go straight through the goaltender to put it in the net. And it would actually be legal, even though the goalie doesn't have the puck. Strictly speaking, you can't bowl over a person without the puck. So there's a lot of interpretations of the rules and I just think he would play it dirty. So I got no problem with uh, Kachekov pulling that move, Woody.
1: They have stopped protecting goalies to a degree that I would like. I knew this was going to happen as soon as we brought the, I like, I called it as soon as we had the goalie interference rule come in and the video reviews, there's goalie interference on damn near every play. So I knew they would have to like change the rules or they'd lose too many goals and they have, and now goalies aren't protected. Like. Goal interference almost like it almost never gets called. It's got to be like so egregious. And this whole used to be able to, if you got there first, it was your ice. Now, if you're outside of the blue, you're, I don't say fair game, but damn damn near feels like it on some nights. And so I'm sick of it. You want to come through with speed? I love that Kachekov threw out a little poke check. Like, that's the risk. If you want to attack with that much speed and come in that fast, better have your head up because I'm coming out. And so I'm for it. Hey, Kachekov puts himself at risk. He could end up getting run over pretty good and he's put a lot of his body down down at ice level near where the skates are flying. Um, So there is an element of risk, but I love it. Like the the idea that we're just going to sit passively back and let guys come through us. Forget it. Like, forget it. And maybe there's a little bitterness here because I'm sick of it at beer league and I need Piotr to teach me how to do it properly. Because if you look like execution matters in this, if he were to just come sprawling and diving out at Kachuk, that puck trickles in like he gets that bottom pad flat along the ice if he turns it over sort of the face of the pad along the ice that puck trickles in right underneath him like that's where the puck eventually goes nowhere near where the poke check is johnny bauer baby like time to throw this out i i get sick of guys coming in with so much speed that they can't control themselves and they end up making contact whether they score or make a move or whatever and they're clipping and you're dropping in the butterfly and they got knees through the head and yes i'm a little biased right now because that cost me two and a half months of being able to play hockey or live a normal life for a lot of you know the first couple of weeks of it. I'm sick of that crap. I want to learn how to do a Kachetkov and take these guys out at the knees. Screw them.
0: Screw them. Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury uh used it uh more than anybody. I uh, think and, think he, he would get a me concussion. Some, yeah, see, think he, he got would get it. Yeah, see that yeah. that is
1: the risk. You're putting your head down there near ice level where skates and knees and things are flying. So I think I need Kochetov to see, like he was so far out with his reach and where he clipped him with the stick. At least it's safe that way. So Flower, Piotr, I'm I'm open for lessons if we can set it up this summer. Teach me how to protect myself on the ice and take other guys out because I'm sick of just, I'm sick of sitting back and goalies being the victims on these things. I love
0: the aggression. I would not have been surprised if they granted a redo on that penalty shot because he didn't touch the puck. Because he tripped Kachuk, like if, in, if you're in a shootout scenario, I could see them saying, go back out, and wouldn't that be interesting?
1: Well, well with, hey, with, listen, we're getting the benefit of the doubt on the shootouts now, too. A eh? with the like the yeah. second touch, and that's second the other touch. thing. The se- like the first, the one on Joseph Wall clearly was a second touch, like off the pad and back off the stick. But was it Tristan Jari the other night where
0: yeah. his poke check got a piece of it? And then yeah. the puck. Went, well, I don't know what jury, it was, Jari, but I remember the play that you're talking about.
1: I think it was on Zuccarello where he, the goalie got a piece of it with the poke check, but the puck kept going the direction the player was trying yeah. to pull it, and he tapped it in on the other side into an empty net, and they called that back because the goalie had gotten a piece of it. Is that correct, Aaron?
2: No, it's because there wasn't a shot attempt, is so my they, understanding. So, so, all- so the reason you it. can't have like a double touch is you've already made the shot, now you can't score on yeah. a rebound, whereas in theory on the the one this week was he didn't actually take a shot. So the fact that it bounced off the goalie and he then got to take a shot is fine. And
0: that puck counted.
1: That would count. Okay. Counted. So I got it wrong. So yeah. if it hadn't counted, I would have been like, every goalie is just going to be trying to throw something out to get a piece of it. Right. Like,
2: yeah, fair, yeah. fair game. Yeah. Hey,
1: listen, like, I just, hey, listen, I, I, I should be careful on the rank because I'm obviously biased because I've gotten run a, a few times at a stupid level of hockey. Um, all roads lead to beer league as we started this whole episode with. But you do have to be careful as darren said like flowers gotten a concussion off it you are throwing yourself out into a dangerous area um i just think that if you want to take that risk you should be allowed to
0: our feature interview brought to you by sensorina sensorina vr nhl sensorina uh is matt tompkins uh, this week and uh sensorina is uh, certainly uh the choice for goaltenders who want to at least uh without ice time, take their game to another level. Woody, you've done some uh, pretty good research into this.
1: Yeah, I know NHL Sense Arena rebranded as NHL Sense Arena from Sense Arena back on November 1st. Uh, They've brought the NHL to you. You can go into their locker rooms, NHL locker rooms, compete with against as NHL teams like wearing their jerseys against players wearing other jerseys against other goalies in leagues and competitions. They've really sort of brought the the game element to it. But this idea of sort of bringing the NHL into Sensorina was always kind of funny to me because the NHL was already, or Sensorina or was already in the NHL. We knew that from our experiences with Devin Levi and Joey Decord and Eric Comrie and guys who were playing in the show that used the product. And so it was time for an article on it. I promised you, we teased it recently that we had talked to Joey about using it in intermissions to dial in his glove. So, that was the lead in a story that ran at NHL.com this week, talking about how these guys are using this tool. Interestingly enough, when I wrote the story, Eric Comrie had told me he he used it more in the offseason and he'd stopped using it in season as much, but then he had a little injury and he was using it in season this year. Obviously, Decord using it. Um, we know about Devin Levi using it. Uh, so, yeah, um, listen, this is and Bill Renford, is in the article talking about the uses and the benefits of it from our podcast interview with him. There's just, This is clearly a tool that is, as much as they've added a game element, and we all love to compete and play games to the new launch, uh, this is very much a development tool that's being used by the goalies at the highest level to keep themselves sharp when they can't get on the ice. So if anybody's out there thinking, well, it can't be realistic enough to actually help me get better as a goaltender, uh, if it works for these guys in the middle of a game, it can work for you. And so make sure you check out that article. We'll have a version of it up at Mag dot com as well early i guess early next week or late this weekend as you're listening to this you can check that out as well so um just you know confirmation of what we've been saying for years this is a legitimate tool for goalies and uh it's never been better and it keeps
0: getting better which is one of the points that bill and joey decord make in the article grow your game over at nhl sense arena and that sets us up for the feature interview with Matt Tompkins, uh, who is an Olympian, who is a National Hockey leaker, whose journey has taken him all over uh, the world, and he's stuck with it, and he will offer uh, multiple lessons and inspiration.
1: Can I just say, I'm just, we're just going to leave this and let it roll, because it speaks for itself. Obviously, he got his first NHL win this year in Montreal. Well, like, like, What a mecca. We talked about how, how significant that is to goalies uh, with Casey DeSmith in last week's episode. This is a long interview. Make sure you stick around to the end. Woody, being the dummy that he is, tends to go a little, we, we, we start with this season and, and what he accomplished. But I tend to go a little chronological after that, right? Just sort of work through the different steps of his career. And I may have left some of the best to the last uh, in terms of some really great takeaways and some training that he's done with some friends of the show, including James Wendlin. Uh, and our friend Lyle masked up in Kelowna and really gets into the specifics of how that changes the way he plays and the way he thought about the position and tracking pucks, um, things that he hadn't done before that he really believes have made him ready for the opportunity to play in the NHL this season. I kind of buried the lead a little bit and left that one to the last. So if you're hesitating at all about sticking around for an hour and 15 minute interview, don't because there's gold
0: at the end of it. Matt Tompkins, this NHL Sense feature interview on Ingoal Radio, the podcast.
1: Really excited to welcome to the Ingoal Radio podcast, first time guest, the guy that we actually had hoped to catch up with up in the interior of British Columbia this summer, but just missed him, in part because of the fires that happened there later on uh, in the summer. Matt Tompkins. And since we missed you, a lot has happened. Um, there is so much, Matt, that I want to ask you about in terms of your path, but let's start with most recently. Start the season with the Tampa Bay Lightning after signing with them in the offseason. Get your first start in the National Hockey League and your first win. What have the last couple of months been like for you?
4: Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. It's been uh, been quite a few months, for sure. Like you said, and over the summer, not really sure what to expect, and then uh, all of a sudden, you kind of an opportunity open up right in and start a training camp and um yeah it, it's just been amazing. I mean it's been, been awesome to finally be able to check those boxes in my career and uh you know had such an amazing experience there with the group there and, and all the guys and uh it's just been really special so uh been a pretty crazy couple of months but it's been a lot of fun.
1: What's it like to like first off like as you come into camp and then everybody in the hockey world gets the news that Andre Vasilevsky is going to miss a little time. Um, walk me through your mindset, sort of coming into camp, and and I was going to say how it shifts when you get that news, but I'm guessing probably doesn't shift. Like that's part of the being successful as a goaltender is not overreacting to changes around you.
4: Yeah, totally. Uh, two sides to that, obviously. Yeah, you don't want to change your perspective and and the process, but naturally, of course, we're all humans, and and that takes over to an extent as well. So um kind of just backing it up obviously you know coming into camp wasn't really sure what to expect to be honest I mean obviously two years removed from being in North America and then even at that you know we had the the COVID season before that and you know a couple different experiences with you know training camps in, in those regards but I uh, was just really excited I mean uh, there was a great opportunity to come back to North America and, and get the mix again and uh, it was something I really missed while I was over there in Europe so it was just, so excited that something came up with the lightning and had the chance to come back. And then, uh, you know, coming back, that was the intention of, hey, I want to give myself the best opportunity to play in the NHL. And uh, it happened a lot quicker than I anticipated, for sure. But yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly exciting, nerve wracking, you know, all those things. When you you hear the news about Bazzi and and, you know, your mind starts to race a little bit and what's going to happen, you know, are they going to look to do a trade are they gonna watch the waiver wire what's going on so uh, of course those thoughts took over pretty early on um, but then you know once it all settles you really start to think about you know how can I give myself the best opportunity now that this has happened and really take advantage of the opportunity so really just uh, approached one day at a time and you know as cliche as those things sound it it really is what gave me the best chance of having you know the camp that i did and I think i impressed a lot of people and obviously um you know they were happy with my camp enough to to keep me there for the first couple months so uh, everything went really well
1: i was going to say there's so many little threads I want to pull on there and we'll get to sweden and the decision to go there and then the decision to yeah. come back and the olympics in the meantime um but you said it you know one one day at a time one shot at a time when we're on the ice often the easiest thing for a goaltender to say but the hardest thing to do Was there any, like along the way, have you picked up any advice or worked with anyone that sort of, you know, gives you tools that you could share with young goaltenders in terms of how to do that? Because like you said, it's really easy to say, but when everything's happening around you, it can be really difficult to stick with it.
4: Yeah, 100%. There's been so many people help me along the way, you know, from goalie coaches and coaches and teammates and, uh, you know mental skills, coaches, everything's kind of in the mix. So you, you kind of pick up different tools and, and things that work for you along the way. And uh, it, it really, it's such a challenge though, to be able to take that uh, mindset of, you know, approach each day at a time and get better every day. You know, a lot of people just say those things and, and don't really know what they mean. But uh, as you kind of get older and, and you experience more of what hockey and, and life and everything has to throw at you and um, different things that you have to process and and deal with you really I just was able to understand that especially being over in Europe and uh last year was a big big step for me in terms of that mindset where you know I wanted to give myself the best chance of getting back to North America and and taking each each day and and you know really getting the most out of the season that I could and uh it's so easy to get ahead of yourself or or think a lot in the past of what's happened or what may happen. But uh really just being present with all that stuff and really learning what you can control is, is kind of the best way that I could explain it. So uh obviously as as goalies, we know there's so many uncontrollables that you think are in the realm of what you can control. But uh especially when you're young, you know, that's that's an easy thing to get caught up in and, and a tough thing to decipher of what falls into which category. But um definitely just an experiencing for me that I've you know, learn how to how to deal with what I can and prepare myself as best possible. And um yeah, so it's uh it's been a, a long journey, but a lot of tools that I've picked up along the way with that.
1: Uh any you can share any that you could share for like is it as simple as hey, like this is the tasks I have today. This is what I'm setting out to accomplish and I'm gonna check those off. Um maybe even giving yourself a moment to think about big picture stuff, but making sure you bring it back uh, to the task at hand.
4: Yeah. So the biggest change for me um was you know, when you grow up, a lot of people talk about having goals. And you know, you want to set your goals as high as you can and and everything. It actually wasn't until I read a book is called Atomic Habit Habits by James Clear. I'm sure most people are familiar with it. It's been, you know, a bestseller for a long time. And he talks a lot in that book about how it's one thing to have goals, but another thing to have what's the process of achieving those goals. And of course, you know, the title of the book, Atomic Habits, he, he talks about all these little things that add up, you know, to creating this process of achieving those goals. So I really, you know, when I first read that, and I read it through a couple of times now, I really was able to apply it to hockey. And, you know, I, I was like that when I was younger and first term pro, of course, you know, I have these goals of playing in the NHL and, you know, being a top goalie and doing all these great things, but often was overlooked of, What are the little details that I can do every single day that's going to make me a better goalie, a better person? You know, whatever it may be. So, um, really, that was just a, a mindset shift that I had over the last couple of years, where I really, I take pride in what I do every day. I really put a lot of emphasis into the details of, you know, being a professional and and you know doing this every day as a job and what's the best that I can be of myself and you know all these different tools that are picked up along the way of, you know, adding to the routine or, uh, you know, dealing with different people or, or learning new things. It's all been, you know, uh, a work in progress over the last decade or so. So it's really exciting to kind of see it all come together and feel really good about what you're doing every day.
1: Well, the other recent experience that I'd love to hear how you managed and might be able to pass along some advice to young kids or, you know, junior goalies or even new pros, You talk about the nhl dream once it becomes reality you've managed to maintain a day-to-day focus you get through camp now you're your first start with the ottawa senators how do you 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 said there were nerves there's going to be that's human nature how do you channel them in the right
4: way yeah again for me it all just kind of came back to process and uh i think a younger version of myself would have thought that the entire game was in my control and and you know i could dictate the outcome with the right mindset or the right approach but I think at this point in my career i understood that you know hey i do my thing like my i trust my game i've you know gotten to this point by doing exactly that so now that i'm here nothing needs to change so i actually really enjoyed uh you know of course being in the nhl was a dream come true but i really enjoyed like having those challenges and opportunities of getting to play games and you know practice with the best in the world and uh i think again where maybe a lot of younger goalies are Even a younger version of myself would be you just get so nervous and overwhelmed and and anxious about these different situations that, uh, you know, really, if you break it down, nothing changes as far as what you've done to get to those points. And um, so I really just I had a lot more enjoyment and a lot more fun really playing in those games than I would have a few years ago. So that, that was really exciting that I feel like at this point in my career, I can understand that, like I said, I I know what I can control. I know uh, that I have a lot of trust in my game. So, uh, just about execution, and, and you know, the chips kind of fall whatever, wherever they do. And a lot of it is just uh, just luck, really. I mean, that's it, there's so much that you just you can't even think about. And if you think that it's in your control, you're it's uh, it's a long thread that's going to unravel.
1: Okay, so it's not in your control, but to have whether you want to say the stars align. You get the start mm-hmm. in Montreal. You pick up that first win in a building like that. Western Canadian kid. You know, obviously, we've all been massive, right? Carey Price fans here at Ingle, uh over the years and all the time we've got to spend with him. Like, I've got a Kent Dryden tattoo on my arm for crying out loud, right? Like, like th- that's the mecca for us goaltenders. Like, what did it, what did it yeah. mean? Was it extra special because it was there?
4: It was extra special, I think, for sure. And um, so it was on back-to-backs. We were in Toronto the night. Previous um so it was an optional in the morning. I think there was it was me and Jonas and maybe two or three players that were out there, so I really had the opportunity to skate around and you know look at the building it's the first time I had ever been in the building, and obviously the the history of it and and the organization, so I had the time to really take it all in and and again, like all kind of coming back to I just enjoyed the whole process i I loved you know the chance of playing each game and and the opportunity and it was just a lot of fun to me so i was able to you know take the time and be present and take those things in and look up in the rafters and see the names and um you know so that that was all really enjoyable and then of course you know just being able to start there in the first place was amazing and you know experience the anthem and the intros and all that that comes with it and uh, of course puck drop comes you know you're focused you're dialed in and and you do your thing and then uh, obviously to to get the first win there it, it was extra special and uh, yeah, a night I'll never forget for sure. What
1: were the emotions like after like just to have checked that box, like you said, the NHL dream to have a win in your name, um you know something nobody'll ever take away from you as much as I know the goal is to still get back there and play more, like to have mm-hmm. that checked off
4: like there's got to be some emotion to that moment big time emotion for sure, and and of course, after the game, you kind of get wrapped up in all the you know the just kind of the post game of a win. I mean, we we all know what it is. It, it's a lot of fun, and and it's you kind of get caught up in it, and then you know the media and all that stuff too. And then there's us. yeah, you got to do it You got to catch the yeah, you got to catch the bus back to hotel. The whole thing. So um, it it wasn't until I would say you know maybe an hour or two after that it was it really kind of hit me once you know the all the adrenaline of the game had worn off and you really kind of soaking it all in. So. That was special. I mean, obviously, family, friends, everyone reaching out and uh, had been following along, of course, the whole journey, but then to finally be able to to get the win and, and have it be a special one like that was, was so cool. So uh, definitely lasted a few days and uh, I really <laughs> took that all in for sure. But uh, yeah, I just did an amazing night for sure.
1: Okay, so a big part of that story is obviously the 12 or 11 years between getting drafted by Chicago in 2012 and, and getting the yeah. win. And I want to get into that path and, and all the different routes it took. But before we go to that, I, I want to go back to Vassy because as much as you know a lot of the focus became about him getting hurt and, and the opportunity it presented, you did have an opportunity to be around him in camp. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I only get him through town once a year. And I was lucky yesterday they practiced, and I just watched him yeah. I just watched him the whole time and what's that like like what what kind of th- is there anything there are things he does that I'm not sure any other human can do physically but are are there are there are there lessons you can take away what do you you know like are there things you're trying to learn from an Andre Vasilevsky when you're around him on a day to day basis
4: I was trying to soak up as much as I could every chance that i could and and that started i mean. I got to, to town early. I came a couple of weeks before training camp just to, you know, be around the guys and, and get settled in and all that. And just even watching him prepare just for a summer skate was crazy to me. You know, you watch the the preparation and, and the intensity of what he was doing off the ice. And then of course the execution on the ice is second to nobody. So that was amazing, you know, just to watch from afar as a, you know, just interested in, in, goalie stuff and you know what what does the best in the world do so i didn't see too much though throughout training camp and then of course you know with the injury and then he was separated from the group a lot what i really noticed a lot and was able to take the most in was when he started getting back on the ice um a few weeks before you know he returned to play so uh i really i'll never forget like the first time skating with him and watching him like execute simple goalie drills know a lot of things that we kind of take for granted as far as you know just being really simple and and you know oftentimes you do them more as like a warm-up drill sort of thing and you're watching him do it and he's just like the execution and the precision is just incredible to watch and then you know of course i i got to watch slowly the transition of him just come back skating and then start taking some shots and then you know to watch him in a full-on practice so it was like the watching that process and, and his attention to detail was just invaluable to me. I mean, it, it, I learned so much from him in the couple of weeks that I was able to watch.
1: Any like example of something you hadn't thought of or, or, or the way he does it compared to anyone else. And it's interesting. Cause I, I do think that, you know, and this goes back to Carrie, like I remember, you know, years ago asking Carrie about the foundations of his game and it goes back to crease movement. Right. And you know, a lot of kids, especially like they want drills and, Shots coming from everywhere and goalie coaches running complex drills, but it really does come back to how we move in the crease. And it's, you know, even mm-hmm. watching Vas yesterday, so much of his work was just simple crease movement to spots and then take a shot.
4: Yeah. So I couldn't have said it better. That that was the thing that struck me the most was his footwork and just the precision of, you know, if a guy was changing the angle, he was moving each, you know, centimeter that the puck was moving and he was following and it was so, so precise and you would see that the foundation he lays from doing that allows him to execute the save so effortlessly, you know it's nothing that he's doing different with the positioning of his hands or you know the angle of whatever it's all about what he's doing pre shot and if you watch him just move around in the crease and then uh you know all the footwork that kind of lays that foundation, everything else comes together after that,
1: okay, so from bassey to I'm going to rewind. I said there was a gap there I wanted to get into and all that path yeah. and all that process, but I'm going to rewind even further. I think I mistakenly said BCHL earlier. I know it's the AJ, um, but who was your guy? Like, like Young Matt Tompkins growing up, who was the guy that you wanted to be, the guy that you emulated, and how did you get started in the position?
4: Yeah, so uh, twofold to that. I was actually... My favorite player growing up was Patrick Y, even though I was a defenseman. So okay. how that makes sense, I'm not sure, but um, so he was the reason I became a goalie in the first place, decided, you know, one sem- summer I wanted to be like him. And then, uh, you know, my poor parents are out buying goalie gear for me and, and scrambling as I made this decision last minute that I wanted to switch a couple of weeks before camp started. So how old were you? Um, I was uh, 10 years old. So uh, maybe a little bit later. But uh, yeah, it was uh, ended up being a good decision. So I'm happy with that one. Um, but then growing up was was Carey Price. So again, you know, tying it back to the first win in Montreal kind of makes it extra special. With that, with uh, you know, watching a lot of games with Carey playing there, and obviously with Patrick being a big uh, part of that organization, so really cool to see it kind of come around like that.
1: Okay, so from a last minute decision, what what led to the decision? How did you like? Hey, mom, dad, I want to be a goalie.
4: You know what? I <laughs> I have no idea, honestly. For I still can't explain why. Patrick was my favorite player, even as a defenseman, but he just was. And then I, uh, you know, like your idols do, you want to do. So I wanted to become a goalie and I, it worked out really well. I had a great season. I made the top team my first year playing and ended up playing for team break that year. So I guess it was easy for my parents and to (laughs) help me continue on with, with that journey. So, um, but yeah, I can't really explain that one. And then, yeah, just... Stuck with it. I we, it was, you know, really successful with it early on, and just kind of, I guess, relied on athletic ability more than any sort of structure. But that that came later, I guess.
1: Well, I was going to ask, when does it start? Right? Because you're you're obviously, if you decide to play because of Patrick, you're probably modeling your game as as much as you would at that age. You're you're watching TV and you're trying to do the things he's doing. But as you move up, mm-hmm. you know, and and into your teens and becoming, you know, end up playing in the AJHL and off to Ohio yep. State, when did the goalie coaching side of it and who were some of the early influences?
4: Yeah, I would say that uh, it started pretty early and so much credit goes to my parents with, you know, of course, growing up in, in Western Canada, you know, you have the opportunity to to play hockey and most kids do. And But I think, you know, obviously we know goalie year is so expensive and, and hockey is so expensive in general. So was just so fortunate to be able to, play in the first place never mind to be a goalie and and have the opportunity to play on these top teams and you know travel around and do that for so long so i can can't thank them enough obviously so much goes into that as a parent and then uh you know and then they would always go the extra mile with finding me you know goalie coaches in town to work with and uh you know going to the summer camps and kind of doing everything gave me the best opportunity to be as good as i could and um worked with a ton of goalie coaches growing up you know edmonton pretty big city and pretty you know hockey dominant so a lot of options there and um yeah i was was learning a lot from a, a young age and, and had access to that which helped so much with you know building your game and and uh, being able to play for those top teams and, and kind of keep moving up the chart so to speak but
1: do you see like you, you you know you said you worked with a ton of different people um value in that different voices different perspectives as opposed to yeah you know for some guys it's like hey i started with this guy at age 12 and it was him till age 25
4: yeah and i'm sure there's pros and cons to both uh i I can only speak for having multiple voices and uh different coaches and and i thought it was great especially i think when you get older you start to understand that a lot of the points overlap they just maybe use different language or explain it differently or you know. Even demonstrate it differently sometimes, but they're trying to show the same point. So once you kind of, you know, you you've able been able to hear those different voices and understand the point, then you can kind of you can hear the same thing from a hundred different guys and and get the same message. So that's something that you can't really teach, maybe as a a parent or a you know a goalie partner or whatever it may be. That's just something that comes with age and experience, but. Uh, I I personally really benefited from having a lot of different voices and perspectives and still do. I mean, I've played for different teams for the last four or five years. So a lot of different goalie coaches and uh, a couple extra you know, national teams sprinkled in there, too. So a lot of different voices. But again, you know, at, at a certain point, especially at the pro level, you know, the the game is, is the game. And a lot of it after that is just, management of the ups and downs of the season and a lot of fine tuning and, and basic work
1: so 2012 after first year in the aj sherwood park crusaders if i'm not mistaken there we go had actually yeah. had that right sherwood park home to a number of great goaltenders as well um yeah. some some guy named carter hart we know pretty well too what um you get drafted before you go to ohio so you get drafted in 2012 what well, would you remember that experience Is That something you expected or because I'm 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 trying to remember like 2012. I'm thinking there's not a ton of kids getting drafted out of the AJ.
4: Yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, I would say I was expected to be drafted. I, I, it was kind of a coin flip. So I had okay. gone to the NHL Combine. Uh, I just barely made the cut. I think they took the top 10 ranked goalies. I was number 10, so I, you know, I got to, I got the invite there, and uh, by no means had a lot of meaning. So I think. A handful um you know a lot of teams weren't necessarily jumping out of their chairs excited to meet me or anything so I, I mean i didn't know what to expect of course you know around your peers at the combine and your guys have 28 meetings or 24 meetings or whatever so you know you have four or five you don't you're not feeling so good about your chances anymore but um wasn't really sure what to expect of course i wanted to be drafted i mean who doesn't um but there was no uh, no watch party or anything like that i was just kind of casually watching uh day two of the draft in the morning and then um yeah saw my name pop up really late but it, it came up nonetheless so that was really exciting
1: you saw it before you got a call
4: so that's how you found out just basically yeah, watching pretty, tv pretty funny story actually with that so uh chicago was one of the teams i had uh spoke with at the at the combine and uh kept in touch with them throughout the season with mike donahue in particular and um, so I actually saw his number pop up on my phone, but the way that they had the draft coverage in the later rounds is they would only show the picks every five or 10 or so, and then they had the panel or you know, maybe cut to commercial or something like that. So I had seen a guy, Brandon Whitney, get taken at 191. And then my phone rings uh, from Mike Donahy and I uh, says, you know, hey, like, did you see who we just picked? I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> pick Brandon and Whitney. Like, why are you calling me? And he's like, No, no, we took you at one ninety nine, and then sure enough, a couple seconds later, I popped up on the TV. So that was uh, that was pretty funny, pretty embarrassing, honestly. But uh, yeah, super exciting. And then after that, I mean, it was just just all a blur with you know the excitement of that and and the rush and the thrill and the opportunity, and then getting to the development camp and all that. So, uh, that was great.
1: Okay. So you had, you already committed to Ohio state or was that, did
4: that come the year after? No, I had already committed, I think in the spring of that year, kind of toward maybe after my, my season in the AJ. And then, uh, of course the draft in the early summer there. So.
1: So that was always the plan to go to Ohio state. What was, was, what was that experience like for you? Uh four years of, of college and, and I, I don't know if there's a degree involved. what did you take in school? What was
4: the Yeah, I got my degree. So that was first and foremost. Obviously, you know, there's life after hockey and, and my parents were so great with that, where you know, understanding that uh the WHL was a big sell, of course, Western Canada naturally. And um I was never drafted into the WHL, but uh when I started playing in the AJ you know, I think teams can like pick up your rights just arbitrarily. So I think that happened a few times. And, yeah. you know, I said, I, I wasn't interested in that just yet. Maybe in the future, I'd gone to camp with the Vancouver giants. And of course the lure of that brings you in with the big rink and the, you know, the free gear and the, you know, all the, the shiny lights. And um, so I, I really wanted to do that. But uh, again, so fortunate with my parents, um, they, Had you know, seen me go to camp there and they had said, you know, Hey, like you just experienced the best of, you know, Canadian hockey league and the WHL. Let us show you the best of uh, what college would have to offer. And so my dad actually, he flew me down to Boston and I was able to tour BU and see BC and walk around Harvard and see all that. And I actually went to BU BC game in the, After that I said I'm I'm going to college for sure. So that that was an easy decision for me after seeing it. And again, just so fortunate with being able to do that in the first place and and have that exposure. So after that, that was my mindset. You know, I want to go I want to go to college and and then uh, had a few different options with that. And Ohio State just just was the best experience for me when I flew down and and saw the campus and uh, the hockey program and you know, Columbus is amazing city. So um, that was an easy choice for me. And I really, really enjoyed my time there.
1: I love that story. I love that. Cause it, I yeah. mean, at, at that age, it's gotta be, like you said, you know, to see what it looks like to be in Vancouver with the giants, one of the, you know, one of the top franchises in the dub, that's gotta be yeah. tempting to just jump in with both feet. But oh, it's ha- so
4: tempting, especially you're 16 years old and, you know, sign here or play this game and, you know, here's some free gear and some sticks and some swag you can wear back home if you don't you know what i mean like it's oh every kid would you be excited say no to that. And, yeah. and you know i don't blame the parents either for for wanting to have that experience with their kids um luckily for me you know my parents had seen that you know maybe there's more opportunity and um just even the awareness of that in the first place i think was so great it ended up being huge for my hockey career and for me as a person to to know that hey there's. There's college hockey out here and, and it's pretty cool. So uh you should probably check it out. And you can play for four years, right? Like there's no You so- play for four years. You know, I, I got my degree. I met so many amazing people, had such an amazing experience, and um I didn't know what was gonna happen for me with hockey after. I mean, I had no clue. Of course, I was a draft pick, but I mean, it seems to be a revolving door with you know, guys turning pro and stuff. So you don't know how you're gonna fit in or if they want you and you know, it's not really an open line of communication, as we know. It's a lot of uh, simple and short phone calls and stuff like that happens. So, um, but yeah, I, I was, you know, so lucky to have that experience in college like I did. And uh, to get a degree and, and have that in my back pocket is amazing as well. How'd your game evolve?
1: I mean, your four years in university, the one thing we hear about about playing in college is, you know, weekend games. A lot of time during the yeah. week to not only school, which is college athlete, like athletes in college I like I it's impressive to me how you balance it all but a lot of working out a lot of taking care of yourself physically and a lot of time yeah. to work on your game how do you evolve
4: Yeah so the biggest thing for me with going to college was time I mean it's probably no secret to anyone now like that knows my story like pretty late late bloomer and uh you know kind of came into my game a lot later than than a lot of other guys and um that was the biggest benefit of, of going to Ohio state was I got that four years. Like you said, I actually got five because I got a bonus year that I, I stayed back one more year in junior a as well. So I didn't go right out of high school. I, I had that extra year, which again, kind of all ties in, but, um, that's the challenge again, too, with being a goalie in, in the WHL, if you're not a top, top guy at all of a sudden 1920, you, you can be done, which would have been exactly the case for me had I not gone to college. So, Um, so yeah, I I had the benefit of time and, and college hockey as a goalie can be challenging. There was me and Christian Fry, uh, who was the same class as me. So we both came in as freshmen and of course with, you know, 30, maybe 35 games a year and two guys that can play, uh, all of a sudden 15, 20 games a year is all you're going to get. So that was challenging. Of course you want to play every game and when you're not playing so much, it's, uh, you know, it can be frustrating, and, and you always want more, of course. But uh, I learned so much about myself as a person and, and how to deal with situations like that that when I came out of college and, and kind of had that in my back pocket. Uh, coming into pro, of course, has its own set of challenges, but I felt like I'd gone through a lot of similar situations with dealing with that in college. So I felt a lot more prepared and, and able to handle them a lot better.
1: Okay, transition me to pro then. What's the biggest jump? Because mm-hmm. we've had... I know, like I've had guys, and you know, we talked about Carter Hart and Sherwood Park, like mm-hmm. that a lot of guys over the years have said the jump from junior to pro in whether it's the ECHL, the American League, whatever, is harder than eventually the jump from the AHL to the NHL. Like your first year of pro can be a real shock. What do you remember of it, and what are some of the things you had to get used to the most?
4: Yeah, that's one hundred percent accurate. Um, you learn really quickly that you're in a business and it's about results. And of course, there's varying degrees to that, and you know, different guys have, you know, as goalies, you have a a leash, really. I mean, if you're a high prospect, you got a pretty long leash. If you're not a prospect, pretty short leash. So you kind of learn the the ins and outs of that and, and the business side and. And really just you learn very quickly how to conduct yourself and what you have to do to make the most out of your development and your experience and your performance, really, because I mean, in junior and, and college is the same. It's a lot of babysitting going on, you know, eat this, go to bed at this time, do this, don't do that. And you turn pro, a lot of it just kind of falls onto your lap and it's up to you to make the right decisions. So uh, you learn pretty quickly about uh, you know, the right things to do, the wrong things to do. And a lot of that can really come down to luck, too, with the group you're thrust into and, and who your veterans are and, and the leaders are. Uh, I was lucky with, you know, coming into India and in the ECHL and then Rockford and the American League had, you know, such great goalie coaches and, and veteran leaders and, and guys to look look up to and see what they do. And um, But, yeah, that's the biggest change is a lot falls on your plate and, and you have to learn pretty quickly, like, sink or swim. I was gonna say, time
1: sort of become a flat circle for us since the pandemic. But w- walk me through some of the names. Like, is Peter Aubrey there as a as a goalie coach at the time?
4: Yeah. So I, I had Peter Aubrey my four years that I was with the Blackhawks organization. So um, you know, he would do a lot of trips my early years in Indy and and come down for, for weekends and work with me. And we we're always in contact. You know, doing video or or, or just phone calls and. He was unbelievable. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Pete. And and to be honest, if it wasn't for Pete, I don't think I would have still be playing strictly because he was able to help me so much with, you know, the ups and downs of the season and, and how to deal with all that. And that's what makes I think goalie coaches great at the professional level is how can you deal with the goalie as a human being? And that's what Pete's greatest attribute is. is you know, of course, every goalie gets there because they have a certain skill set and they know how to use it. And, um, it's a lot of fine tuning. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of guys can't deal with the ups and downs of a pro season. And they kind of get chewed up and spit out if, if things don't go their way. So that's where Pete really stepped in and, and was unbelievable to my development was just so much of the off ice stuff. So uh, you know, one of my great friends, we still keep in touch so much to this day. And, um, yeah, he was a, a massive, massive part of my success early on. And, and for me to continue developing and still be playing really.
1: It sounds like he's all like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, top of my head, I thought he, he went back to college hockey too, to coach as well. So
4: he did, on, yeah, he's so at the University of Nebraska going on now.
1: And that sounds like it would be the, like, a based on what you, your experience in college, your experience with Pete, that seems like a pretty mm-hmm. darn good match.
4: Yeah, I'm sure he's just doing unbelievable. I'm sure the guys love him there, especially with having that pro experience and you know that being part of that level that all the guys are are eager to get to. I'm sure he's just just loved there and such a great person. So um, yeah, just really really good at what he does. So we talked about
1: you know that time with um, with Chicago those three years um mm-hmm. the development being as much off the ice and managing all those things what about like we're 35 minutes in here and i haven't asked you to describe your game in part because i expect it continues to evolve what do you yeah. remember of like how would you have described your game then and then maybe we can get into the evolution and and the decision to go over to sweden how it changed there
4: yeah so i guess that first part of that early on i think my game was really raw um i was you know, really athletic through junior and through college. And I, I got away with it just because of the level that it is when you turn pro, you know, a lot of it, there's the speeds a lot quicker. The guys can shoot a lot more accurately, quicker. Um, the game's just faster overall. So um, Pete was really good with helping me early on with, you know, you have so many tools, like we just need to put them together. And um, kind of just ended up being to where my game is now, as far as, now it's all about efficiency for me and really just keeping it as simple as possible and what that looked like early versus now is so different where now it's all about you know minimal movement and letting pucks hit you and, and tracking down on pucks and all these things that are really simple in theory but difficult in practice so early on it, there was just so much reliance on the athleticism to, to bail you out and you know make the the big say that everyone goes crazy for but as a goalie coach and even as a goalie once you start to learn that hey you're not going to last very long if that's your first option so uh so much has gone into that so much work so much you know time and thought and um you know now it's really just like i said all about efficiency just beating clocks, square depth management you know all these things that we hear about all the time and uh just putting myself in the best position to execute saves as simple as possible
1: it's nice to have the athleticism, but when you use it all the time, it could be a little tough,
4: eh? It can be tough. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not a good starting point. It's, it's good to have in your back pocket, but I don't know if you want to rely on it too, too much.
1: So what went into the decision first to go over to Fralunda? You know, we, we think of, and we, we recently had Thomas Magnussen on the podcast, and we think of... How, you know, we've heard so much about the coaching over there, and 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 how mm-hmm. good it is from the goalie coaching perspective. Was this just an opportunity to play, or were you looking at like, hey, like there's a lot of guys that go over there, and um you know, maybe there's a different element I can add to my game? What was that thought process?
4: Yeah, so it's a really unique situation. Actually, um, I never really had Sweden or or Europe on my radar. I was you know pretty dead set on doing whatever I could to uh, to play in the NHL, and uh, of course. You know, the opportunity seemed to be with Chicago year in, year out, and they kept offering contracts, and I kept coming back. Um, after the COVID year had finished, I think it was around mid-May, I um, was just kind of, you know, reaching out and, and seeing where where they were and what they wanted to do, and my contract was up. And um, they had, didn't really have a decision yet. They weren't really sure, kind of kicking tires. Um, and what happened was I actually got a phone call that uh, Forlunda had lost one of their goalies. Uh, Eric Shelgren had signed with the Maple Leafs. Right. Yeah. So they were kind of scrambling to to get a goalie. And um, maybe people listening are thinking, you know, scrambling in May. What's the rush? They signed guys so early over in Europe. So to not yep. have a goalie in May was full on panic mode. So um, the opportunity had come up with them and, and they wanted a decision like right away because they, they wanted to find a guy as soon as possible. So I, I gave it a couple of days and I thought, you know what, like, this sounds like, a great opportunity to maybe just shake things up. I, I felt really stuck with the black box. You know, I felt like I had really been developing and, and getting a lot better, but I just wasn't climbing the depth chart maybe as much as I hoped or, or wanted to. But um, so going over to Sweden just really seemed like a, a way to kind of get out of the rat race of being in the American league and dealing with that. And um, ended up being the best decision for my hockey career. So it was an amazing opportunity. And I'm happy it came up.
1: Okay, so that year ends up, including the Olympics, was that at mm-hmm. all on your radar, that opportunity when you make that no. decision
4: way back in May? No, so that's uh, another funny story, so I'll get to that, but I no, that was not even on the radar, but, but of course the NHL was still in the mix at the time. Right. So I don't I, think it was until maybe December that they had officially pulled out. I was going to say, I wasn't even sure we knew that that would be an option. Yeah. So that whole process happened so, so fast. So I'd gone over to Sweden. I had a great start to the season. was playing unbelievable. Uh, I was on a one-year contract, so I'm getting calls left and right of, you know, what do you want to do next year? And like I it's, said, it starts early, like doesn't guys. it? They like to sign guys early. So my phone started ringing and probably late September, early October. Wow. And um, so then, of course, yeah, back to the Olympic thing, They, the NHL had pulled out, and um, I can't remember seeing something about, I think a buddy had texted me or something like, hey, your name popped up as, you know, potential candidate for going to Beijing. And I was like, holy oh, smokes. Yeah, I guess, like, who else would there be over in Europe? So um, kind of always thought that that would take care of itself. Uh, a couple of friends of mine I, I had come to find out we're on this like short list that hockey canada had put together so um
1: other goalies or guys you'd played with no it? no
4: yeah. other players so okay. i was like okay like you know maybe that's just going to take care of itself naturally um and then one of my good good friends adam tambellini he had said that there was like a deadline that they had to put in a short list of you know maybe 60 guys or or 80 guys. Actually, one of my teammates was on it too, Stefan Elliott, who had gone in 2018 to Pyeongchang. So I was pretty in the loop as far as what was going on at the sidelines. I was just kind of letting it play out, and, and my name never got thrown into that. So um, actually, I called my agent, and uh, my, my European agent, and said, like, hey, is there any like rumbling of this? Do you know what's going on? So to make a really long story short, he had called Hockey Canada, who had said this was an oversight on our end, we would like to put your name in the hat, but there's all this like paperwork that you need to do. And it's due tonight at midnight. So you got to get on it. So there I was like scrambling away on my computer, filling out all these forms. And there was so much to do as far as, you know, paperwork, because it was in China and COVID going on. And they wanted to know everything and anything about you know your medical history and all these different things. So there I was signing my life away at you know 1130 at night trying to meet this deadline. And then uh, then the rest is history. You know, I obviously got the call to go, which is incredibly exciting. And uh, yeah, that was amazing. So I get to call myself an Olympian now, which is really cool.
1: Now, were you over there in time to do things like walk in the opening ceremonies and things like that? I wasn't sure. Y- did you miss
4: that? I missed opening. Cer- I was the only guy on the team missed opening ceremonies. I actually had a, a false positive COVID test come back. and. Um, yeah there was so many like such little, a strange time oh such a strange time and you know of course at the time it's devastating you know you're an hour before the opening ceremonies you get a, a text that hey don't leave your room you had a positive covid test come back and you're like holy smokes is my olympics over like what's going on and then you know the scramble from hockey canada looking to take care of things and yeah, I could talk to you for about 3 hours about my experience over there with all the little all the you know little details behind the scenes that a lot of people aren't familiar with, but really really stressful time and a lot of anxiety and um but really an incredible experience to be able to be there in the first place and then obviously have the opportunity to play and succeed and do all that.
1: So, uh, did you get to play or sorry, did you get to walk in the closing ceremonies at least after getting to play no, or did you guys I, I have didn't. to leave?
4: We, I had to leave because you know, we we're technically on loan from our, our European club. So as soon right. as we lost out, they were like, you got to go back oh. yesterday. Yeah. So, hey, but we at were, least you got the experience.
1: You got in, you got in and you got to play. Like you got not just an yeah. Olympian, but got to compete at the Olympics. I know, yeah. you know, um, you know, we've got a good relationship with Devin Levi, who was there with you, but didn't mm-hmm. get that opportunity. What's that like? What's that like to be in that Jersey on the Olympic stage?
4: It's absolutely incredible and it was such a unique experience because uh you know we would be out there you know you're you're practicing leading up to the tournament and there's nobody in the rink because they don't want anybody there obviously than media and personnel that they need to run the day-to-day and the same kind of applied for the games there was no atmosphere there was no uh you know it didn't really feel like much but then you you would catch yourself and you would See all the cameras and and the full operation that was going, and think like, holy smokes! Like, entire country is watching you at home, and this is a pretty big deal. So <laughs> that was that was really cool. Once once you kind of you know overlooked all the rules and regulations that they had in place to let you play, then you realize like, no, no this is the Olympics. It's there's a lot on the line here, and it's a pretty amazing experience. So. Yeah, just incredible start to finish. We had such an amazing group, obviously an unfortunate finish there to Sweden. We had hoped to, you know, play for a medal. And, and, you know, that's what you you dream of, of course. But still to be able to wear the Maple Leaf represent the country is just something I'll never forget. And and, uh, one of my greatest hockey experiences to date, for sure. Where's the jersey? It's at home. Yeah, hang, hanging yeah. somewhere framed. I hope it's hang, hanging at home. And uh, yeah, I, I got a lot of them. You know, we did a, a big signing after too with all the guys. So I got, got a few sticks and a bunch of jerseys signed by the whole group. So I'll keep those in my possession forever. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Love special. it. I,
1: along with a with a puck from a first NHL win. I'm guessing too.
4: Exactly. Yep, Definitely. That's part of the collection, of course.
1: So b- back to Forlunda after the Olympics next year. You with Färjestad. I didn't ask you yet. Like sort of. You know, there's a history there as well. Uh, for Forlunda, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, I'm mm-hmm. top of my head, I'm going to embarrass myself because I can't remember who the goalie coach is in Forlunda right now. I'm pretty sure I know who it is in Faria but how'd your game evolve during your two years over there from one organization to the next?
4: Yeah, those were two amazing organizations and um, two of the top in, in Sweden, of course, and, and Europe for sure. So to be able to play for those two was amazing and, and had amazing goalie coaches there. Uh, Christopher Martin, I had in for Lunda, who helped me adjust so much to the European style of the game. And um, you know, I, I was so eager when I got there because was such a unique change of scenery, and, and I was so so excited to have the chance to play in the league. And so he helped me so much with my game, just with the transition, and and really, uh, I think he really enjoyed the perspective I had too, coming from North America. So we really just enjoyed talking shop, and uh, he helped me so much off the ice too with you know, all the, all the ups and downs that come with hockey. And like I said, you know, a lot of goalie coaches are, are really good at that and and definitely a skill they need. And then last year I had uh, a Swoosh. Uh, I probably butchered that. So hopefully he doesn't get upset at me for that one. Maskin, we called him. So yes, he's been on the
1: podcast too. And I butchered that name as well. So match Yeah. Yeah. He knows. He,
4: He was unbelievable. Um, he was so awesome to work with. It came in Day one, I you know, I'd heard of him and and spoke to him a few times over the summer, didn't really know what to expect, but he he held my game so much. Like we still keep in touch to this day and and I still rely on what he taught me foundationally, where I am constantly going back to that this season whenever I don't feel right or or feel like I need a little bit of fine tuning. And um was able to work with him and, and Dennis Hildeby last year, which was one of the funnest years I've had in hockey, probably the funnest year I've had, to be honest with you, just Dennis was so eager and uh, such an awesome guy to work with and such a good person. And, and Maskin, like he brought us all together. We had such a great trio together and loved working together. And um, yeah, he, he like Maskin knew exactly what I needed. He knew how to deal with both of us individually. I mean, I was 28 and Dennis was 19 or 20 I think at the start of the year and uh so two very different styles but he has such a great approach and such a great understanding of the game that he was able to kind of tie us all together constantly with what we were doing and that was a big thing for me I I think last year he taught me so much about how like simple is better and you kind of think that as you get older and you get more experience with your game that you know, it, it needs to come become more complex and there's a lot more, you know, stokes that go into the fire that you need to really draw on whenever you can. But it's actually the opposite. And and he was able to really help me so much with that where we would keep things simple and we kept it simple all year. And you know, whenever I kinda push him a little bit, like, hey, do what about this, bro, that? And he's like, What what changes? You know, like there's no difference in the approach. So like, why are you Taking a uh, situation that's so simple and trying to make it complex. So he was awesome to deal with. Like, can you give me an exa-
1: Can you just give me an example? Like, it doesn't have to like just what you know, even just one example of. Especially when you talk yeah, about sure. this simplicity and being a foundational thing. You know, all the goalies, I'm mm-hmm. sure they're like me, listening and like one little thing that that where you can speak to that word would sort of make them sort of click. Like, okay, now I know what he means. Like, simple in in what terms? Yeah, foundational okay. in what terms?
4: Yeah. So I think. um, like a a situation comes to mind, for example, like the reverse is used so much and a lot of post-play and net play is such a big part of the game. So there's so many different approaches as far as how plays can develop. Does it come from above the goal line, below the goal line? Is it, you know, within the dots, outside the dots, like, you know, is there a backdoor threat? Is there not? Like there's so many different options. So, uh, you know, say I'd gotten beat the night before uh, on a backdoor play from the reverse and you know there was all these different things going on at the slot you're watching the video the next day and you're kind of talking like so specifically about that play and then we go on the ice and I'm asking him all these questions and then he would constantly say like well what what changes between if the guy's there if he's not like are you going to change like what you're doing in the reverse on the post no okay um you know does it matter like which blade this guy is back or if he's covered, if he's not, if there's a a shot thread in the slot, like, does it change your attack angle? Does it change your uh, post integration? Does it like nothing changes? So of course, as goalies, you want to be perfect and you want to analyze each situation and, and uh, you know, break down every single goal so that you can learn from it. But that was his best thing was like, no, no, like we can categorize all these things into maybe, five or six categories. And if we constantly work on these five or six things, they might not be specific to what we're doing or or sorry, they might not be specific to these goals that are going in or these situations that develop, but the foundation is there. And then you can just make reads on it after that. So that was huge for me where I I think I was trying to reinvent the wheel a lot. And I came in and trying to look at all these different situations through different lenses. and, And he was like, no, like this is this is so simple like you just need to like take a step back and we're gonna work on these simple things and stick to basics all year and you're gonna feel like it's working and that was exactly the case like last year i had so much consistency with my game and i think well, I, actually i know it. it was from exactly what we would do like our approach every day stayed the exact same which sounds boring probably to a lot of people and it may be counterintuitive to maybe some goalies listening but sticking to basics will cover 99% of the situations that come up. And the other 1%, a lot of them, you just say like, Hey man, great shot. Good for you.
1: I love it. Well, it comes back to that, talking about crease movement earlier, right? Like, you know, there's a certain, there's a reason Vasilevsky's so good at, you know, the the movements and the things he dials in and details. So the decision to come back as, as we sort of round this out to come back to North America, how did that come about?
4: Yeah. So it was actually, it was after the season. Um, you know, I, I got back after we lost out of playoffs and um, my North American agents had been, you know, obviously fielding calls from, from some teams later into the season. And I told them like, I don't want to deal with that. You know, there's so much time in the off season. If something comes up, you know, tell me after the year, I don't want to have that in my mind as I'm playing in the playoffs or finishing out the regular season, whatever it may be. So I got home and after a couple of days they had said like, Hey, there's a lot of interest here. And you know are you interested in coming back so i said you know like what does the opportunity look like and um so we just we explored that for a few days and then um you know because i still had another year on my contract in ferrystad um so you know the opportunity came up with tampa and and that was really just a no-brainer for me and and at the end of the day it came down to hey i was going to be turning 29 at the time like i wanted to I didn't want to retire and say, eh, "Have what ifs?" You know, what if I had done this? You know, do you think you could have played in the NHL? Do you think this could have happened or that could have happened? I didn't want to have any of that, so I thought, you know, if there's a time to do it, it's now. You know, I just had a great season. I felt ready. I felt like if there was ever an opportunity like this, was the best one, and um, so it was just really a no-brainer for me to to take the chance with with Tampa and and uh, take the opportunity. So. I was really excited about that um you know obviously pretty rare i think for guys to come back over that late in their career and have that opportunity so it, it was great that it came up and and yeah like i said an easy decision for me
1: i love i love that that like the what ifs and then you end up coming back and you answer a lot of those um between there and here though you ended up in cologne and i'm curious cuz you end up working with a couple of guys that we know in Lyle Mast yeah. and G- James yeah. Wenlin our five damn things mm-hmm. guy who has been a game changer for a lot of goalies in terms of the physical yeah. and the hips and the movement. How did that come about? And can you walk us through maybe how some of that work has, has transformed your game as well?
4: Yeah, I've been waiting for this part. This is exciting. Um, <laughs> so I,
1: I saved the best for last then.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, these guys, in a nutshell, they, they totally changed my game. And they changed my approach. And um, I don't think I would have been able to play in the NHL without having the exposure to these guys that i did in the summer it was that drastic and that uh it made that much of a difference in my game and my approach and everything and so just kind of backing up i i known lyle forever um i started working with lyle when i was maybe 15 or 16. um i got exposed to him because he worked with dustin schwartz who was an edmonton guy yep who i had the pleasure of working with when i was playing junior and then you know throughout college would continue working with him with the summers and stuff and still stay in touch with him to this day and he's just another awesome person within the game of hockey so that's how I met Lyle and then um, I stayed in touch with Lyle a little bit I'd see him the odd time you know in the summer we never worked together or anything and um, but I have always spent part of my summers out in Kelowna and you know typically it'd just be like a vacation time frame you know come out for a couple of weeks and Uh, towards the end of summer get some downtime but um, having that relationship with Lyle I later on I would say maybe four or five years ago started reaching out to him when I would go to Kelowna and say you know hey are you free and uh, we'd jump on the ice maybe two times a summer four times a summer if we had the chance and if schedules lined up so I always had the chance with him to work a little bit and of course there's not too too much you can accomplish in a couple sessions and you know not a lot of time to reinvent the wheel so you kind of just stick to the foundation and you know we stay in touch a little bit. But this past summer I had spent a lot more time out in Kelowna. I spent a couple months out there. So I had reached out to Lyle early on and said, hey, you know, I'm out here for a good chunk of the summer. I would love to get on the ice a lot and, and start to build something and, and put together a foundation for training camp and for the season. So yeah, so he jumped on that, and, and we had the chance to work together so much and, and you know, had a lot of great, great sessions on the ice and so much great conversation off the ice, and you know him as well. Like, he's such a great person within the game, so he's just great human to deal with, and then never mind his expertise is second to none, so I love having that much opportunity to work with him and dial in the on-ice stuff and, and have – you know, such a good good chance to build a, a on ice professional relationship with him that I never really had before. So that was amazing and something I'll look to continue to do for many many years to come. And uh, he's been a huge help to, through the start of the season here too, and staying on top of things and and keeping it dialed in. And um can I can yeah, I ask so, so just, many just yeah. just
1: before we go to James, like what specifically? When you talk about that big an adjustment, if you could share some of the things that for you were the adjustment, like what changed how Mm -hmm. it manifested itself in your game and helped you prepare for this opportunity.
4: Yeah, so the biggest thing is a lot tied into what I just said about masking too and and the approach I had last year was what Lyle does so well is he takes, you know, goaltending as a position, which is incredibly complex and, and so many moving parts and he simplifies it he almost oversimplifies it so much where it, it seems too easy to understand. And you you kind of think to him sometimes, or especially when you work with him early on, like, okay, hey, there's got to be more to this. Like, it's not that easy. And he's like, no, it really is that easy. So when you start to see him practice, so it, it starts to make sense. And maybe that's kind of what I had missed early on, you know, in the years prior working with him is we never got the chance to get that far down the line. So what Lyle does is he takes – so many situations and says you know a lot of things i just talked about before were like let's build a foundation and you can draw off it for any situation that comes up any scenario that you want to play any different approach that you want to have to your game or to your practice or whatever and it will work so so much of what we did over the summer was so much skating and so much head trajectory with the tracking So I know you guys are really familiar with it, but if anyone's listening that doesn't understand it, so Lyle's big approach is a lot of the head trajectory and how that kind of, you know, applies to the rest of the body and how everything kind of trails based on that. So in other words, no head trajectory equals no tracking, which equals poor save execution or poor save or shot preparation. So we kind of tie all that in this summer in such a simple, but such an effective way where He had kind of said to me, like, you have all the tools. Like, you don't need to get stronger. You don't need to get faster. Like, your save execution doesn't need to be quicker. Like, it's just a matter of shock preparation, which involves a lot of, you know, getting on angle, depth management, and then just tracking down on pucks and saving puck, like, very simply, just save execution. And again, like, it sounds so, so simple in theory for. Goaltending, which is such a, a complex thing to deal with, too. But in dealing with that and and learning from him, like constantly, like I really bought in, and I just felt like my game just getting better and better every time I got on the ice with him, and it felt so simple. So um, that was just it was such a game changer for me to have that much time to work with him and for everything to kind of come together and to be able to work on like these little things that we just did all summer. You know, you're working on. So much skating and all the like pre-shot stuff, and then for him to just say like "you're ready" and and you feel ready was just such a an amazing experience. So uh, I can't credit him enough for for helping my game on the ice with everything that he put in, all the time and effort that he put into my game. So it, it really it came came together really nicely, and I, I felt more prepared for training camp than I ever had before. You know, tenfold. We hear. I've heard a lot over the years and obviously sort of
1: was introduced to this a while ago. And a lot of the response to it was a, there was a pushback of that's just watch the puck. Um, mm-hmm. obviously it's more than that. Uh, because I think a lot of the goalies I've talked to over the years, like, well, nobody really t- ever told me how to watch the puck and yeah. how, how much that facilitates the mechanics we ultimately want when we move from one spot mm-hmm. to another on the puck. Does That sound like a yeah. fair
4: with. That's exactly it. <laughs> And it's, like I said, like in theory, it's so simple and it seems counterintuitive because as a goalie, you kind of think, well, this there's this ultra complex game going on in front of me and all these moving parts. You know, my position is so complex. Like the approach needs to be complex and detailed and thorough where Lyle's like, no, it doesn't. It's very simple actually. And he makes, he turns all that chaos into, you know, very simple execution. And if you don't have enough time to think about it or see it in practice, you think there's no way, you know, there's no way you can, we can talk about something for five minutes and then you can just apply it to an entire season. And really that's, it's true, but you have to practice this. And, and, you know, as simple as it is in theory, like it takes so much work to dial in because, you know, as we know, there's, there's a million thoughts going through your mind when a puck's coming at you and, and all these moving parts going on. So but once you're able to really dial it in, you you do realize that's such a such an encouraging moment when you start to feel like that, that you no, know, like this is all coming together by dumbing it down really. It sounds it seems counterintuitive, but like I said, when it comes together, it's just the best feeling. So um I really I felt unbelievable coming into camp and, and I had a couple of great conversations with him towards the end of the summer where he was like, Hey, when you get to camp and instead of you know so and so shooting on you in the summer, all of a sudden it's Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov, like, like nothing changes. You understand that, right? And, you know, an older version of me would have said, like, no, everything changes. Like these guys shoot it different they have different releases and, and the play is quicker. But um, when I got to camp this year and I really had bought into what he had taught me, I was like, wow, like nothing nothing changes. Like my approach stayed the same. The execution like had never been better in my career. And really just from simplifying it and dealing with all these things that we, we had worked on all summer, all these simple, simple things that came together.
1: Off the ice, Mr. Wendland. I'm, yes. ge- I'm guessing that introduction came through through Lyle would be my hunch, but how did you start? Because we've, we've been introduced to him similarly and, mm-hmm. you know, five damn things for the hips. I'm like, hold on, my hips actually work now. What's going on here as an old goalie? Yeah. yeah.
4: What was so, it for you? Um, so this was probably... Probably mid-summer, I would say maybe around June or so, me and Lyle were supposed to jump on the ice together. And my back was just killing me. I had a lot of issues with my back this summer. And, um, you know, wasn't really sure what was going on. Some days it would hurt, some days it wouldn't. So I'd said to Lyle, you know, maybe a few days or a week before our, our skates were supposed to start, like, Lyle, I might need to push these back a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm in some pain. Like there's, there's something going on. I need to get addressed here. And he said, you got to see this guy, James. So I said, okay, you know, of course I built a relationship with Lyle over the years and and trust his opinion and his judgment. And he's like, no, no, like this guy is, he's the real deal. Like you got to see him. And at the time I, I, it was my first time spending uh, an extended period of time in Kelowna. So I didn't really know who to see, you know, I didn't have, you know, guys that I would work with and, therapists or or whoever to see if something came up so i was just kind of a sitting duck with this back problem out in bc so uh jumped on the opportunity to to see someone that was recommended in the first place and then uh not knowing that the doors that were about to open so i'd gone to see james i think he had got me in like literally the next day so uh i went to see him i think it was maybe 5 or 6 p.m i was his last patient of the day and and, uh, so he's got this really cool gym set up. I don't know if you guys have seen it in Kelowna. Yeah. yeah so he's got this awesome gym set up with a, you know, private treatment room and stuff. So I'd gone and seen him and, and, um, you know, right away just told him what was going on and what was bugging me. And, and he was like, okay, yeah, like this is what I think is going on. And, and, you know, you should be, should be good to go by like next week. Like, even and I was like, what do you mean? You know, like this has been bugging me all summer and I even think i could skate right now and he's like no like you're good like you can tell lyle you're good to go for next week so i was like okay um so to make a really long story short that was just my my first introduction to james and, and he had treated me and i felt amazing after and then i remember it was probably six or six thirty, and you know i felt bad that i kept him so late in the first first place and then he so he takes me out of the gym and then we're working on like the rockerboard stuff and, and doing stuff with the goggles and the balls and the balance and, and the feet and everything. And he's showing me all these things and you know, it's now it's seven at seven 30 at night. And I'm like, you don't have to stick and show me all this. But I was also like thrown for a loop too, because I had gone to see him for treatment on my back. And all of a sudden now it's seven at night and I'm standing on a rockerboard in my bare feet with, you know, one foot and I got these goggles on and he's, whipping a ball at me and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, so, um, it, it took a couple sessions for me to understand like what his approach was and what he was doing. And you guys have had him on and you understand, you know, what he does exactly and how he approaches the goalie position and, uh, you know, the, the resetting and the recalibration of everything and how that all kind of ties in. So I was like really, really bought in from the start just because it was so interesting to me and you know he had really challenged me and this is what i think james and wild do so well is they they challenge you know like why you're thinking a certain way and they explain you know why they approach things the way that they do so you know with james he had said like you know what are you doing off the ice like what is what is your back issue coming from i explained to him you know what i did and and i felt really good about how i trained and You know i'd always went fitness testing at all the training camps and you know i thought uh, like my office approach didn't need any correcting like i know what i'm doing and he's like no like this is all wrong like what are you doing so he really challenged like what what my approach was like why i chose to do things and he was like no it's not working and i and i said what do you mean like i'm winning fitness testing every year like things are going great and he's and he said you can like barely walk your back's hurting so bad and then he showed me he's like look at your internal rotation like you can't even move like how are you expected to get into a butterfly and started kind of walking through the body and then it really made me reevaluate where i said said like what what is my approach you know like why am i doing the things that i'm doing and and maybe this is the better way of doing things so um yeah just a long-winded way of saying that you know he really made me question my off-ice approach and, and you know, how it directly applies to me becoming a better goaltender. And a lot of times I couldn't answer that question. And I said, well, I'm doing this because it makes me stronger. So I guess technically I'm a better hockey player. And he said, well, no, like it's not usually the case. So especially for me now at, at this age, like 29, I don't really need to get stronger. I don't really need to get faster. It's about longevity at this point. And, and, getting through the season. And um, so he's been such a huge helper with that. And, and being exposed to him in the first place was game-changing for me, like literally. And uh, yeah, just so, so thankful for his time that he's put into helping me and, and uh, changing my approach and my whole game, really.
1: Last one. Cause I think we're setting a record here, Matt, and I did not prepare okay. you for how long we would be. Um, yeah. This has been awesome, but, just the biomechanics of it like understanding how your body like mm-hmm. how how much like whether it's Lyle or James and those two things coming together like how yeah. much better do you feel physically and about how you move on the ice compared to maybe the start of the summer
4: yeah I feel unbelievable and that's the biggest thing is like especially with the off-ice stuff you feel it right away like when I would work with him and I would finish these sessions I would I would feel like I just accomplished something that made me a better goalie instead of just you know i beforehand it was okay you go to the gym and and I'm really sore because I lifted a lot of weight or, or I'm you know dripping in sweat. So I must be a better hockey player because I work so hard. You know, we're seeing James and you know seeing Lyle as well. Like these guys challenge all that thinking and kind of that old school mentality and way where um you know James would say like what can you do to make you a better goalie and, and what are the things that you know you can use off ice to use to that approach. And a lot of things, you know, it's just so counterintuitive to what you're taught when you're growing up in that old school mentality where you, you kind of sit back and you go, what? Like, that's it? Like, there's got to be more. Like, I'm not sore. I'm not dripping in sweat. Like I said, it, it's such a different approach with that. But then when you really understand it, and that's what Lyle and James do so, so well, is they explain it. And if you don't understand it, they'll take the time to explain it from different approaches through different language, whatever it may be so that you understand what you're doing, you know, the why sort of thing. So I know James references that a lot of having the why so that you can learn the way. So learning the way from, from James and and from Lyle is, is such a, such a cool and encouraging experience because you feel like there's so much direct, like applicability to being a better goalie. And for me at this point in my career, like that's been such an encouraging and like unique experience where, Hey, this has come about now. And I feel so much energy towards wanting to learn more about this and to how I can apply this to my game and how far can I take this just from learning these new things that I think are directly helping my game. And I feel it, you know, I feel it with the on-ice stuff with Lyle and how this is all coming together and how, you know, less is more in the, you know, that sort of approach. And then I start to feel it with the stuff I'm doing with James, where, Hey, all this off-ice stuff that now I feel great with my body on the ice, you know, I, everything's working, how it's supposed to work. and, And the maintenance is there. And there's so much proactive work where instead of seeing a therapist and when everything's, you know, thrown out of whack, well, his approaches and i think he referenced that when he was on the podcast with you too about you know would would you trust the mechanic if he said hey you got to bring your car back to me you know once a week for the next year and and he had said said that to me really early on he's like oh, i'll see you for three to five sessions and you're good and i'm like i don't know but sure enough that's how it was and, and he taught me the way and and all these different things that i can do throughout the season and yeah i just i feel amazing and um uh, I'm sure the, the feedback of having him on here has been been great. And I'm sure a lot of people are, if they're applying it and doing it the right way, they'll, they'll start to feel the same as well. Awesome stuff, Matt. Awesome yeah. stuff.
1: Uh, this is the way. And uh, I think you, by the sounds of it, you'll be making your way to Kelowna for next summer. And I'm going to make sure I get yeah. up there earlier so I don't miss you this time.
4: Yeah, we'll make sure to connect.
1: Yeah, because I can't thank you enough for taking like... We're at an hour and fifteen minutes here. Like I said, we're setting okay, a record. Perfect. But no, it, I love it.
4: Good talk for an hour and fifteen more for sure. It's exciting. It's you know such an awesome, awesome journey, and hockey is such a great sport and, and gives us so much exposure to cool things. So I love love chatting about it.
1: It felt like ten minutes for me, to be honest with you, and I'm yeah. pretty sure we could do another hour and a half. But I, I tell you what, we'll save it for the summer when I see you in person. And John's uh, great. All the best the rest of this season, and uh, we'll see you. We'll maybe sooner, or we'll see you then for sure.
4: Awesome, sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt.
0: I stuck around. That's good. That was good stuff. Thanks for the tip going into the interview to uh, to make sure that uh, I stuck around. It, it did take me a couple of segments of listening because I, I listened and then I had to pause and do some other things, and then I then I came back. So. It, that's good stuff. Uh, thanks for the heads up, buddy. You, you need a long drive for this one. If you're driving to the rink, save it for
1: a road trip.
2: Well, you drive to the rink and drive home from the rink. And maybe to practice and back from practice.
1: And put your headphones it's on worth you're that. getting dressed. Because there's takeaways in there that will
0: help you stop more pucks when you do hit the ice.
1: It was awesome. I there, loved it. He was great.
0: It was great. Yeah, there's I technical and there's, uh, there's also uh, spiritual uh, guidance in that conversation to, to boost your level of love for our game
1: yeah
2: looking and, and forward just, to next summer
0: yeah just what a path to you like uh you know
1: um talking about the relationships with the goalies in sweden and mace schwo uh maskin as they call him by the way we'll have an article uh featuring maskin previewing his uh presentation at the convention that they'll be running at the world juniors the swedish federation running a convention that includes uh, both skills for shooters and goalies uh, as part of that, we can't be there, but we've if if you we know we have listeners overseas in Europe. Uh, make sure you check out the first article that we had up at IngoldMag.com this week from Steve Thompson, sort of a taste of what you're gonna be getting there. We'll have another one up with Maskin, who uh Matt referenced in that interview coming up soon. Uh and if you happen to be in Europe, I know it's a little little tough on December 16th to tell somebody from North America to be in Sweden by January 2nd. That's that's a bit of a tough, tough go. Um But Europe's smaller. It's a little closer. If you're listening right now and you can still attend.
2: The big thing is if you would love to go to the World Junior Hockey Championship, you get tickets to the bronze, silver and gold game as part of the conference, I believe.
1: Yeah, Some people
2: might want to rush over as a last minute thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, listen. And I I should be careful here because the dates are getting tough. Whether the packages to attend still include the tickets at this late game, I can't say for sure. But make sure you check them out. Um, And like I said, uh, Thomas Magnuson, who we've had on the show, just one of the great goalie minds uh, of the world, of all time. Like, Just just love his approach. And that's kind of the approach you can expect from him and the people that he brings into this conference. So um, it's exciting times. And we've got a little taste of it for you at
0: ingoldmag.com. So if you're on the fence, we'll, we'll, we'll get you off it. Did Hutch just invent something? What's that? Did you say tickets to the bronze, silver, and gold games? Well, Well, technically they are.
2: Technically. But yes, fair, (laughs) fair. I I would do that to somebody else, Darren, so I deserve you pointing that out.
0: Oh, Only because you never make mistakes. Ever. Ever.
2: No, never, ever do I, Woody. I've never screwed anything up. When do you
0: make mistakes? Uh, There's a long, long list of them, my friend. Well, I don't don't think you make mistakes. I was just thinking about it. I'm going, there is three games. No, there's not three games. Yeah. There's two games. it is think, a silver,
2: uh, I, it was bronze comma silver and gold. Right. Games. Good point. Yeah. You just, just didn't notice my punctuation.
0: It was like, uh, when you do voice to text, it doesn't always come out that way.
2: Right? Yeah. So it'd be, be dangerous. It's a little dangerous to just listen for something and assume you understand what's happening there. So
0: I'm going to need a dangler next time I see Hutch. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I screwed uh, it great up. Great job. Full on. Uh, with Tompkins, uh, great job, uh, with the gear segment and awesome, uh, perspective. On the Lou uh, Ring of Honor. Lou. Really proud of you. Lou. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll chat with you next week on Ingool Radio, the podcast.